Hi everybody, welcome to No Means No Thing. And I'm gonna have to try really not hard hard not to fanboy out about. <laughs> um we have uh, an excellent guest if you take all the uh best uh, vocalists from the nineteen seventies and distill them down into a human. Uh we have Becky Black from the Pack E D is joining us this evening. Woohoo! Um, Alrighty, so um, welcome, Becky. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we're kind of hoping, I mean, uh, it's been back and forth for quite a little while. And uh, do you have a fairly solid idea of what our podcast is about? No. You do not? Okay. <laughs> uh, just to uh, lead it off then, I'll give you a little primer. It is a podcast about no means no. And I know that uh, part, yes. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it. We, we do have guests on from time to time, but we like to try and uh, get folks on who are kind of connected to No Means No in some way. Um, no idea if you're actually a fan, uh, but growing up in Vancouver, I think it's fairly impossible not to at least have been aware of them. And of course, you toured with them a whole bunch, so uh, decided to reach out and see. Um, so, you know, we do ask a few questions about um, your connection to No Means No, maybe a couple stories and that sort of stuff, but it's really just sort of hanging out and um asking leading questions and the no means no part is mostly what we do but that's just a framework um cool. so um, when did you first tour with them 2008 hmm. yeah 2009 we did a west coast tour and then we did a couple europe tours and yeah, we were still kind of a baby band at the time. So it was very, very exciting to go, you know, with this legendary punk band, from, you know, for our first like major European tour. And Awesome, awesome. We, we thought we were a weird fit at the time, but it, it, it <laughs> kind of worked. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> no, it's right. perfect because they started off as a two-piece, right? Like, I'm, I mean, that's, that's an right. absolutely perfect fit, I think. Yep, yep. Um, and Jordan is reminding me because he raised up his glass that we actually do a little segment um at the beginning of our show um it is called and it's extremely appropriate especially appropriate because it's named after an ep of no means no it's called the powers of positive thinking and your second third to most recent album is called thinking yes yes indeed so it's, it's the called power the power of positive, positive drinking thinking. oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> um so we usually just kind of go through and um i we did email you and give you a heads up uh, if you had uh oh you got something something going all right so <laughs> so we do start out usually with jordan yep because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm boring i just have my whiskey today as always so i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy this one today it's a little Hi. bit of a tall glass this is redwood empire which is brewed locally down here in Petal brewed decanted locally down here in Petaluma. I have a buddy who works at their uh, their place, so it's absolutely delicious. All right. I got Ian Mom's glass that he sent me from England, people. And if anybody wants to know what Jordan sounds like having sex, this is what he sounds like. Wait, aren't you going to make the sexual noises? Well, not until <laughs> I hear this. Not until I. Hear I just did it right in the microphone. How do you, I thought? That's, I was I thinking about this all day. It. Did anybody else hear that? No. I missed it. Well, no. I have to do it for this anyway. So I'm having a Guinness, Jordan. 
I think it all day about your just, sexual just, noises. Well, just so that everyone knows a little bit behind the curtain, we're recording in Zoom today rather than our normal thing. So the oh. audio is going to be a little bit weird and odd. Maybe and that's so what it is. That's, that's probably what it is. I think Zoom likes to actually cut out anything that's not a voice. So oh, it's probably wow. not going to give me those sweet, sweet uh, yeah. uh, Guinness opening sounds. Yeah. Becky, when I pour my Guinness, Jordan makes very sexual noises. Oh, stop it. Well, no, you it's do. a great sound. It's my ASMR. It's a, what, it's a lovely sound <laughs> it of a Guinness sounds, opening and pouring into a it glass. It's hilarious. You know. Okay, yes, I'm having a Guinness. In the bottle. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. And um, tonight I have um, Bellhaven Black, a.k.a. B Black. Nice. Nice. Uh, oh. <laughs> and it's especially great that, um, uh, you know, I, I, it's unfortunate that we weren't able to have Maya tonight, but I'm very, very happy to have Becky on the podcast. But at least I didn't have to have any Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have that there, Matthew? They have Miller there? Always Miller. They? Always oh, Miller time. <laughs> no. so, 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 Becky, how about you? What are you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Negroni. Nice. Oh, nice. cool. Excellent. Cocktail bar set up in here. So I'm like, well, I'm like, whoa. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Cheers. Um, big ears. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I have to wait for mine to go down because it's sort oh. of a stouty thing. Foxy mm-hmm. <laughs> stout. So, all right. So back to the, back to the interview proper 2008, we, you guys toured around Europe with them. Is that right? Yeah. Holy crap. That's wow. amazing. How many how many countries was that tour? Played Petaluma. Wait, what's that? Played Petaluma, like I think it was two thousand eight or two thousand nine, maybe. Nice, probably the Phoenix, the, the Phoenix yeah. Theater, I would think. Yes, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the punk club here in town. That's awesome. Yeah, sweet. And uh, yeah, I was wondering whether uh, being Canadian two piece. Um, I would assume that there has been inevitable comparisons, even though you're saying maybe you thought it was a mismatch. Or did you think that after you actually kind of got on the road with them? Mm. Oh, it's great. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think in a weird way, even in their scene, they're sort of different outcasts, you know, like not the typical type of like punks that you would expect, like very intelligent, very, you know, I don't know. It, touring with them was amazing. And, I yeah I still They're nice boys. It's still probably my favorite tours I've ever done. Like when nice. I think about it. Oh, that's oh, great! That's awesome. Um, were you aware of them? I mean, growing up in East Van, you must have at least heard the name. Yes, but I wasn't. I don't. I wouldn't have considered myself a super fan. Like necessarily. Gosh, but it was like, oh yeah, I know who they are. I mean, oh, they want to tour with them. That's awesome. So you know. My God, you must have shit though, kind of right when when they asked you, and you're like, "Oh," or is that how it went down? I don't. I think that's. I don't know. I I think I remember being excited, but everything was such a blur at that time. We were just like going, you know, we're touring all the time, touring around the states, just like in a van, sleeping. Mm. So then it was like, okay, it's a bigger van, bigger shows. So that's cool. But yeah, wow. Yeah, I, you guys are certainly known as a band who tours pretty relentlessly, and no means no as well. Um, do you feel like you picked up any kind of pointers from them as having been, because they are a real tight package, everyone tells us. Yeah, I mean, I think the emphasis on like how good of a live show they always did, and 
that was like always our, like the main thing for us too. Like I get I, like re- recording a record is one thing, but being a good live band, I think is a lot harder. It's a bigger challenge when uh-huh. you know, I like the record, I like the songs. I saw them live, like that happens a lot. So the aim was never to be that bad. At least, even if they didn't like the record, that they would still like the live show. You know, so that was kind of an influence from them for sure too. Yeah, very cool, awesome. <clears throat> yeah, th- I-, I never thought it was a bit it was a, a mismatch. Um, from my own perspective, I kind of, you know a little bit dystopian earnest and yet a lot of humor <laughs> into it. that's sort of how i see um the, the commonality even if it's not in the sound all the time yeah would you tend to agree with that yeah i guess i mean yeah i consider us sort of a, a punk rock band at heart really so and so was no means no even though it's more ma- mathematical than some punk bands <laughs> right right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. John's probably one of the best drummers I've ever seen. So yeah, yeah, he's God. a bit of a machine. But you know, I mean, for both bands, I think one of the things that I find in common, you know, looking back to No Means No's early stuff, Mama in particular, that's a band when they were just a two piece that sounded full, right? They didn't, they didn't need anybody else. It was great when they put in guitar, but they didn't need anybody else. And you guys are the same way. Yep, You're two piece, yep. but you completely. You show other bands like, why the fuck do you have all those other instruments? It's How useless less is, is that? More. Like, They're you, doing you... the less is more thing. Yeah, but it's not, it doesn't feel even less, right? It's, I mean, but to your well, point, I mean, it's more. Instrumentalist, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, you know, yes, they may be more mathematically inclined, more proggy in that sense. But, um, but both bands show that as a two piece, you can just fucking slay and fill all of the niches that you know a six piece seven piece eight piece band might ordinarily try to fill so i think yeah. there's a lot of commonality there over the years it was also sort of like in the beginning like i had a smaller amp and a smaller setup and they'd be like you need a bass player it sounds like you need a bass player oh, and then I'm like, no. get another amp i'm gonna get a bigger amp and then i'm gonna get more effects and some like you know lower octaves going on and then you know eventually people started saying like sounds like way more than two people i'm like great we're weird enough um in speaking of that um that bigger sound um i mean i'm sure that in order to get the sound you have to have a certain kind of setup uh, was it difficult to achieve that where you aren't driving your own shit around in a van like when you're over in europe yeah i mean europe actually was great because we could rent back one cool with that whereas like so you can just fly into one place and then rent a back line and a van and a driver and have all that stuff in north america it was always just like our own mm. van and our own back line. so i always found that nicer and still is and also oh, you that's could, good uh, that's good i'm glad you weren't out of every 10 hours mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. yeah yeah totally i have so many uh, of your early interviews especially talk about how you know you're living in a stinky van um down by the river <laughs> all right i'm sorry um but i also read and i don't remember whether this is kind of an apocryphal or just bubbling up out of my brain but that you guys had um you were spending so much time on the road that you gave up your rentals and moved back in with your parents yeah tr- is that true yep. wow we're eight, we're eight months out of 12 on the road so it's like in, in vancouver even at the time rent was egregiously expensive of course it's insane now so it was like, why pay rent and never be there? So yeah, I moved exactly. 
parents' house to stay there, and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> rock and roll life, I guess, and you know, saving a lot of money on rent. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, the rest of the time in your stinky van in um, <laughs> Medicine Hat or wherever. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, are you still? I I, I realize that um, your most recent release there's a, a bunch of indications. It seemed pretty final, and you, you guys even said that. Uh, this is probably our last release. I'm wondering if you're still feeling that way because you you are touring it. Yeah. Well, that the thing was, we were like, we're going to take a break. So let's mm. just, uh, we recorded a couple songs and then we had a bunch of B-sides from Positive Thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think from the previous record too. So we're like, let's just put it all together, remix everything, make it all like one album. And then that'll be kind of like it. And then we're going to release it in April 2020. And then... Some stuff happened at that time. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember what was going on. So we're like, oh, we can't even tour the album. So we had to wait two years to tour it. And so we were kind of like forced to have the break that we were planning to have. So at this mm-hmm. point, like, I mean, I think this year is pretty going to be pretty slow. We're just still kind of, Maya's writing a book and I'm working on my own projects. So, but, you know, I don't know. We might, we might do another record at some point. I, I always say, never say but mm-hmm. even though we, we're always being final, last tour, last album, but then it's like we're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DOA. <laughs> yeah, the, the pack DOA. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys torn with DOA? No. Or just that they have said uh, final oh, tour, oh. final tour, final oh, tour, oh, and eventually oh, it will okay. be uh, Becky Black, uh, Burnaby Counselor. Actually. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> green, green Party. <laughs> right. Great. It's great marketing. It's great marketing. <laughs> totally. So, I mean, what was it like to, I mean, for a band that toured so much, it must have been sort of hell to have that album out and then everything fucking shuts down and you guys mm. can't go out and tour. How was this last tour for you for you guys? Did it feel cathartic in that way at all? Or did it feel any different because you actually got to go back out and, and be in front of people as opposed to like previous tours? Slipping on a glove. <laughs> yeah, right. It, yeah, it was like riding, it's like riding bike. No, it's yeah. like... It was cathartic. It was it was good. I think we we kind of bit off more than we could chew, especially in the first like okay, finally things are opened up and we're gonna like we had all these separate sort of U.S. tours like parts that we were like okay, that's canceled, that's canceled, and this is canceled. So then we just smashed it all into one like fifty day tour. Oh wow! Much we hadn't done it like that in in many years, and we're like okay, there's a reason why we started doing like only month long tours. Back <laughs> so. In that, you know, we, it was tiring, but but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I felt like I needed a break from touring, and then as soon as I couldn't anymore, it was like, I want it to be my choice. I want I don't want that to be taken away from me, you know? Like, it felt like it, you were being robbed, you know? I wanted to be able to decide I want to take a break rather than being like, oh, I guess we have to all take a break for two years. Yeah, but of yeah. course. Right. I was wondering whether that talk about uh, it being the last album was a little bit of the pandemic talking. <laughs> Yeah, no, we actually, that was before. Okay. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the album cover also seems like that's a very pandemic, but that was also all done before it happened. So it was like, Mm. I know. So interesting then that, you know, I was, I was just rewatching. I remember Matthew sent this to us kind of, I think right as we were starting the podcast. So that was not too long after the pandemic was in, 
beginning. Mm-hmm. The video for Give Up, which is such a, oh, you know, going back and looking at that, I just rewatched it, you know, a couple minutes ago. Such a gut punch remembering the early pandemic and what that was like. So the song clearly written before the pandemic, but the video clearly of uh, uh, a video about being in the pandemic. And wow. man, I would have to say, I think that video is a real gift for that because it's a kind of one of the best time capsules I can keep going back to that really captures the feeling but the song as well, not just the video mm-hmm. of of that of that feeling of kind of isolation and loneliness and questioning and everything that we were all feeling. So really interesting pivot to have this song, I guess, right, that wasn't written with the pandemic in mind at all. And then to film this video that suits it perfectly mm-hmm, and yet mm-hmm. captures the the feeling that we all had at that point. Yeah, and better than anything is. I've seen work really closely with your collaborators but was that you guys who drove it or was it somebody else's idea it was i think it was a bit of a joint idea but yeah the director was we had a i can't even remember what the original plan was but obviously we couldn't get together and do it or have extras or anything like that because it was just like total shutdown like we still need to do a video and he's like why don't i like just film like the crazy empty city it's like so we went down there like six in the morning downtown with a drone (laughs) without a permit and filmed all those scenes and it's pretty crazy like to think about that now like i don't know yeah it was yeah. Good, a good concept and it worked out but yeah it, it i have to thank you guys for it i mean it really actually helped me get through it uh getting super personal my dad passed away right before the, the pandemic and then we all went face first into the pandemic and uh, i was also uh, changing careers uh, at the time I used to be a speech pathologist and uh, I used to see a kid at Strathcona Elementary which is seen boarded up in the video and <laughs> so it, it actually kind of helped me cope with wow. like uh, not just the, the, the grieving of the whole situation but also like the getting past the career <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that that song in the video actually really helped me with that so thank you <laughs> the silence yeah. of recognition it's a it's yeah. a it's a, <laughs> may, a, it's may, have, a may have cried a little bit no i mean it really is oh, I, mean, I, have, I have to say that's wicked it's an it's an incredible work right the song and the video together i for for anybody listening to the show who is not aware of the pack id pack ad which come on what the fuck go and look this up go and go and look at this video give up pack ad and watch it and now that we're all sort of coming out of the pandemic more or less for better or worse, um, I think it's probably one of the best time capsules I've seen of that early yeah. period for many reasons. So as a as an artifact, it strikes me as a pretty important one and a pretty great one to go and remind ourselves of what that what that feeling was like. So, yeah. so you know, cheers on that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a ignominious sort of. Uh, oh, I think that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, Becky, uh, we talked a little bit, touring a little bit, but uh, just kind of wondering how your head is at coming back into the world these days. Uh, you mean like just being touring again? But no, just like out, not just not just touring, but to being able to, you know, kind of go and do what you want without a mask on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, my initially- first time out in the world was um, actually to come see you guys in Bellingham and I it was my first time out like, oh, yeah. since the beginning when I was like oh I felt like I fucked it up yeah what are you talking about 
I mean, you felt like you fucked it up. You came to my house. How did you fuck it up? Oh, I just consistency of mask wearing and such. Anyway. Oh, oh no, I know. You cut. You feel like totally nude if you don't have one on. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, I yeah, I de- definitely initially was a bit like weird because you were just so used to it. And I'm a very introverted person, so I kind of liked it the anonymity of you know face and um. But it's also kind of like socially awkward when you're talking and everything is muffled and you can't hear each other. So I remember going to shows and then it would be like, you have to wear your mask inside and everybody would go outside in between bands, not to go smoke, but to just go talk without wearing a mask. It's like, I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. It's like, oh, we're outside now so we can spit on each other. (laughs) Or or take off their mask to smoke. So it's like, "Ah, whatever. I never realized how dependent I was on reading lips until until the mask yes. came. And then I realized how much of my communication I don't pick up sometimes what people are hearing or saying mm-hmm. very well because mm-hmm. I can't see their goddamn lips move. So in a club, fucking forget it. There's no way yeah. mm-hmm. I would be able to hear anybody. And you're playing loud music. I'm I'm yeah. also what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. I well, can I say I first heard of you guys, like it was Brad did the was doing the Manic Pogo merch, and you guys were getting your shirts done through him. And I remember him just going ballistic about your band. And that's the first time I heard of you guys. It must have been it was probably that exact time when you were touring with No Means No, and they were putting out the merch for both bands. And I just I remember hearing the music, and your <laughs> your voice is fucking. Like Matthew said, what did you say? Like you, you sound like a Jimmy. You, Matthew, what did you say with the seventies? You are I don't a what I fucking amazing musician, and and I love that you said that you're um kind of shy. I, I I work with a lot of musicians, and I know a lot of them are shy. But when they get on a stage, man, something happens to them, and they just just oh, it's just so amazing to watch. You you are incredible, incredible. So I, I went to that show with Matthew and I was like, holy shit. So, yeah, I'm 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 fucking pissed that oh I didn't realize God. that tour was happening and missed the bottom of the hill oh, show. Man. I, I, Matthew, I was like, I was like deep, what did I just watch? God damn it. The fuck did yeah. I just watch? So that's the deal. I'm sorry, you gotta have one more tour so I can at least see yes. it next time. But you, know, you guys are something else, me. man. Your voice and that guitar, you are like 1970s. Yeah all-encompassing of everything cool and good just raw i don't know matthew matthew help me man you said it earlier i'm no, that was embarrassed great. yeah all embarrassed. Like you said like all the greatest female 70s vocalists crashed Not just female into, no all the vocalists yeah all male, the greatest the, the vocalists guitar, yeah like, crashed geez, in, which i think did, is accurate did you listen to a lot of that music at, growing up as a kid were you like just like listening to queen you know just really good singers and and, and led zeppelin and blacks i mean what how I guess so. I, I get my mom always had very good taste in music and her, her dad was a musician and I, I don't know, so I I just mm. kinda grew up in a house full of music, so Yeah. Listen to the seventies records, right? I have I has, was... has you have you ever anyone said that you've that you that you sound like the seventies before? 
No, not specifically the, the 70s, but... Oh, no. Like, that's what I said to Matthew. I'm like, I just saw every great goddamn band from the 70s and and, and, and one one band. It was just incredible. Yeah, I get that. It's There's something about the sort of, like, sincere intensity of it that I feel, you know, pa- pa- after that point, there was always sort of an affect in a way. Not always, but in the 80s and even the 90s, there... I don't know. There's just something really sincere about some of the vocalizations in the '70s that I think you you really capture wow. in a way that's really really intense. I I was yeah, listening I, to a... one of your I was listening to one of your interviews the other day, and you mentioned like one of your desert island discs being Wall of Voodoo that um oh, cool. the Mexican radio I think was the album, but it really <laughs> brought me back. I hadn't thought about that album for a long time. That was one of my favorite albums growing up. That guy's kooky was, as hell. It was cool as hell. So yep. it, it's interesting. Like I think one of the things I heard you talking about was that. It's not necessarily that the bands that were your favorite bands that you listened to influenced you, but it's always interesting to know what people's favorite bands are. I can't help but creep into the music they mm-hmm. make, even if it's not direct. So mm-hmm. what other what other kind of you know what other artists were really influential in, influential on you uh, on you uh, for you, yeah. even if they don't really just necessarily directly make their way into your music. I mean, most of them don't directly make their way. Yeah. I mean, I always find that the hardest question to answer: Who are your influences? Sure, you, sure, sure. So and so and so and so. So I'm like, I don't know. I have a, uh, I have a, I have 500, 600 records, and yeah. I like, if I want to look at like what artists I have the most records of, they'd be like Pink Floyd and Gary Newman. Oh, nice. quite a spread. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, did you raise a glass to uh, Van Gelis last year? Yes. Just yes. I also have to. Nice. Nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I get it. And I think for all of us, our, one of our, clearly, one of our most influential bands was No Means No. I mean, for me, that's why I started this podcast. That was the band that, since I was 18, I guess, has been top of my musical pantheon bar none. So, you know, it just took yeah. me 30 years to, to do anything about them. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily, I, I get that. It doesn't, what, it, in a sense, it's a really dumb question. What influ, artists influence you? It's like, well, I like a bunch of bands. It doesn't mean I'm trying to channel them into my music. Right, it's, just, yeah. it's just the shit I like. I was supposed to say Joan Jett and the White Stripes. You know, right. that makes sense or something. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's I better that you can't you answer. It's better that you can't answer the question yeah. in a way because it means that you're just channeling your own fucking artistic input. You're not trying to stand on anyone else's shoulders or anything like that. So I guess I can great. ask you kind of similar, but uh, maybe it's easier to answer. But like growing up in Vancouver, what were the types of shows, or do you remember any particular shows that you got super excited about, or local bands that you got super excited about? I was always just like going around. Um, like my cousin plays it played in a bunch of cool like local punk bands, and I was always going to his shows and checking out their stuff because I'm like, this is you know, I just I like I like to support those kinds of little bands. I don't even necessarily remember what a lot of them were called, and they only existed for maybe a month or two. But <laughs> those kinds of shows are, are my favorite for sure. Uh-huh. Those DIY punk shows at not really legit venues that you know don't have a liquor license but sell cans of beer. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's it's still going on. I just got added to a punk like local punk rock, and there's like the, the Black Lab and Green Auto Collective and the Red Gate. And I'm glad that these places are still existing. I don't know how people find them, um, but I'm you know. What are they the, like? Secret little clubs and stuff that got uh, just, like just on the down low. You mean being that all the all the basements are are like living space, and all the backyards are like laneway houses and you know, garages are condos i don't know how people yeah. manage to do it anymore right right 
bad city for that or supportive. I mean, it's always been labeled no fun city. And I mean, like, there's some truth to that. It's more like no uh, poor people can have fun city. It's like only or maybe if you have a lot of money and or you really like to go, you know, do the gross grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Vancouver, uh, I live in East Vancouver. Uh, I think, Becky, I don't know whether you live here now, but uh, you grew up in East Vancouver, but it's kind of uh, historically at least been sort of uh, the the wrong side of the tracks so or like the. Um, I live on Hastings Street, East Vancouver. The working class. Working class Hastings East Street. Street. <laughs> I was there with Matthew. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's like three three blocks of that street. Um, give it its reputation. The rest of it's not. Oh, okay. The that's movie good to that know. It no, is. I know, I know. That's. I'm glad to hear that because that that's forever imprinted in my mind. But I'm glad to hear there's there's some good good spots on it because that was a nice place to go to, except for that stuff. Yeah, that it's getting worse, but probably. <laughs> There's always, you know, oh, I have the solution. Oh, I have the solution. No, no one has the solution. It's an impossible mm. problem. And mm-hmm. An old and intractable one, yeah. Exactly. And it, it's, it's only getting worse for the same reasons that the city's getting ridiculously expensive and unaffordable for most people. And it's also got the best oh, weather in the country. So people, you know, it's more temperate for to, to live outside. So it's like, you just, there's just too many, too many things that create a problem and not enough solutions yeah yeah and i live in bellingham not too far far from you guys and we got the same problem man it's everywhere it's the same down here too and it's, yeah it's, you're in california for yeah fuck's it's sake you've got it it's like it's exploding everywhere right like there are no there are no no one's offering really good solutions right now we are in the the peak of the problem and awaiting the the good solution i don't know i don't know where it is but hopefully someone's got it popping up in their brain yeah. not capitalism but you can't exactly. <laughs> right. That's pretty much caused the problem, in my yeah. opinion. The root yeah. of social problems these days. But, you know, not we can't really remove that part of society, so who knows? Not all at once, but slowly but surely, or, or at least in, in increments, one hopes. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. been uh, back into music in the last um, little while. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but um, I'm letting the algorithm take over and letting it feed me stuff rather than curating everything. I'm wondering whether um, you're having any kind of the same experience. Um, like, is, are you sort of stuff drifting to you in ways that are unfamiliar these days? Um. I don't know. It just, it feels like everyone, you know, it's like the pandemic is like, well, I just want things to be normal again or whatever, you know, that's all like griping. And then now <laughs> oh, back to normal. No, they're not back to normal. It's a new world out there and it's getting, I don't know. I don't like to say that things are getting worse because every generation has always said things are getting right. worse. I think things are just not great. Never have been. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's pessimistic. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just finding a foot. Like I, our band is now kind of peter out. Like Maya doesn't want to tour anymore, and she's kind of done. So that's kind of being like, okay, well, I'll move on with a new project. But I'm kind of having a having trouble getting that started. So there's a little bit of a like, haven't really like jumped fully into. Yeah, it's, I imagine that's pretty scary when you've had a good recipe that's worked for so long. And yeah, where do where do you start with that? 
yeah, are you um, willing to share with us anything what you're doing? We are, I mean, John Wright, the drummer from No Means No, he's just releasing or in the process of releasing an album. I think he made it entirely by himself. I mean, these are possibilities mm-hmm. these days, yeah. like to play everything and combine everything. And so, uh, what are you doing? I recorded in during the pandemic. Well, I guess last year, no, two years ago almost. Yeah. So I recorded a whole record and now I'm just figuring out what to do with it. And I felt like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on it. And then I'm like, okay, no, we're going on this very long tour. Things just keep kind of pushing it forward, but it's okay. Like it still exists so I can do something with it. That's kind of my my next job to tackle. But I'm also finding I'm not a very good promoter. I'm not um, a social media person. I don't understand TikTok or any of that. Instagram. I even only recently made an Instagram account and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to post stuff, post, post, post. And then that's it. I just can't, I don't understand why people love it so much. I don't understand the addiction to it. I'm just like, ew. But You get to go up on a stage though. You've got the fucking ultimate TikTok. You up there and listen to me and hear me and I, see I, I, me. You don't need that other bullshit. That's, that's enough attention. It's like, yeah, exactly. People you are paying attention without bullshit. you needing to go. Hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I but I get it, right? Like the society right now is so centered around social media. Yes. And there's this sense that I mean, I often have this too, even with our dumb fucking podcast of like uh, how do I engage with yep. these all these dumb platforms and people are so into it and what does that mean? Like, I, I hate it. I think it's, I think it's destroying society. And yet it's at the tip of the spear of what everybody is doing. That's how you get information now. Well, it's not just yeah. how we get information. It's the, you know, uh, you know, Matthew, you mentioned the algorithm before and the algorithm, it really is this sort of dark Gnostic God behind the scenes. That's sort <laughs> of like, like dictating all of this weird shit that we just don't have any idea about. And yet I think, I think there's something very authentic and human about coming up to its altar and going, Ick, like, ugh, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to touch that. That's, I don't want to dive into that. What is this? Give me a newspaper. And I can imagine as a creator, <laughs> again, like we have a, I have a very small portion of this, but as a creator of your stature, to kind of go, I guess I'm expected to do this, but fuck yeah. it. Like what a garbage okay. pile. I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. I just mm-hmm. want to make my shit. Yeah. 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 yeah in the industry and they're like oh yeah well you gotta get you know you tiktok you gotta get the kids on t-. i'm like yeah right sure that's actually the kind of person i and that's gonna work out great no my this won't podcast eat. is going to be helping severely. Oh yeah, well, no, I mean seriously, I, I do want to. I mean, anybody, we have a very small reach. We are not like a huge thing. For kidding. so grateful for you to be on it. But but for anybody listening to this who has not heard of the Pack Idea, again, what the fuck are you doing? But also go and listen to them. I mean, with, I guess I guess this is one of the advantages of the of, of platforms like Spotify, of which there are no other advantages because it just fucks musicians hard. It's at least it makes the stuff available so that people who don't know you can more easily find your stuff. But I also wonder as a, I mean, I'm wondering for you as a creator, you know, Spotify is the major platform now, right? I certainly am someone that's where I've heard most of your stuff on Spotify and, and a couple of things I've bought off Bandcamp, not enough. That's where people should be going, right? To support artists. But I'm sure you guys must, I mean, Spotify must be like an afterthought in the sense of what it actually, maybe it's not, but I, I would imagine their payout is so low and yet it's become one of the major platforms for where people find stuff, where people discover it. I, what has your relationship been with with 
how these things are distributed now and how your fans sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, engage with you as a band and actually helping to support you as a band. Yeah, it's, I think it kind of sucks. I mean, there's the, yeah, there's the benefit of more people might find your band, you know, so more smaller bands have access to people. But at the same time, it's such a, it's such a dense market that you're also still fighting, you know, with all these other, you know, and you want to get on the the playlist and the curated, this and that. So you show up and you have to pay people to do that. So it's still like, it's still the same kind of rat race, but like, oh man, but you know, but you don't make any money off of record sales. So yeah, I think overall it's not not great. Uh, It's not, it's definitely not great for the artists. No. No, that's well, I must speak from personal experience that the pack 80s customer service when buying t-shirts from them is superb. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. I gotta get some. And you oh, know, sure. the, the other side of this is like to, to bring it sort of to, to circle back to the, the nom de plume of this podcast, no means no. Like one of the ironic things with them has been none of their fucking catalogs on Spotify at all, right? You can't find anything of theirs anywhere except on YouTube. Everything else, like their albums, everything costs hundreds of dollars. Their CDs now even cost hundreds of dollars to buy wow. on the secondary market. But Alternative Tentacles is about to, is already actually started to re-release everything. Well, not everything, I guess everything that they had to do with, which will probably be up from one like 2000 or something like that and there's a part of me that feels like okay well for at least for them that's going to allow a new generation maybe to to discover their stuff in a way that they wouldn't otherwise they're not going to randomly stumble across it on youtube but the algorithm may feed it up on on spotify so there's this more lateral we we haven't as a society yeah this we haven't as a society figured out the 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 right balance yet of how yeah it can help to the algorithms really can help to, and I've experienced this myself, deliver stuff to you that you never would have heard before that that suddenly you really love, and yet have that actually be of benefit to the artist. That's the part that's completely absent. It's only to the benefit of the corporations, of the people who own the yeah. platform, yeah. not to the yeah. artists themselves. And that's that's going to kill all the artists. Where are they going to be? Where are they going to? They're gonna, what's the benefit of a new artist? So I'm not surprised at all that no one's kind of refuses to take part of that. They're they've always been very principled in those kinds of things like no radio we don't need this no that no like advertising. no videos so yeah we're not we're not pulling this shit. yeah yeah and that i mean that's changing now a little bit right i think they're both they're all sort of retired kind of like well i don't know let's let's, let's let it go <laughs> yeah. john's so running his, his pub you know? yeah exactly so that shit is going to come out and we're, I mean, we're all very excited. I want, I mean, my kid who's 18 listens to no means no now. And is like, there's their, is there his favorite band in the world. So I'm stoked for kids to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say kids, but you know, general people, but you know, they're not going to see anything from that. They're not going to see any money from it, but I, it's that whole argument of like, well, it's the exposure, which people always say to artists, which is just, that's just a load of bullshit. Yeah. Like the pay to play. You have like a 10 yeah. band like in places like LA does it all the time like oh you can play at the whiskey a go-go but you got to pay this amount of money everyone's got to pay to their family like oh but you know have you played there before Becky you got you have you played at the whiskey yeah we did twice we didn't pay we got paid good but yeah I I think because one of the times we played there there was like a metal band they were all like teenagers and i think that was a pay-to-play thing that was an early show and it was just the bands and their families oh god <laughs> we played with like with la guns yeah 
So that was <laughs> an interesting night. Wow. Wow. Well, at least you can say you played the whiskey, though, and got paid. That's amazing. I'm yeah. very happy for you. That's cool. Did you, when you guys toured Europe, did you feel like it was any different over there than the United States? Like, is there a vast difference between how that shit works over there versus here? Or is it sort of global now in, in the sense of how that works? There's a difference in the fact that you, in Canada, in North America in general, you kind of, you have to get your own food, your own accommodations, take care of everything. You just show up, you load in your own gear, and then they're like, okay, thanks for playing. Here's the ticket sale money, you know. In Europe, it's like, here's your food. Here's where you're staying. They take care of everything. There's way more of a providing, uh, you know, like feeling like hospitality. Yeah, there's way more hospitality. So I do appreciate mm-hmm. that about touring Europe. And am I am I saying that I like to tour Europe like more than North America? <laughs> Maybe just a yeah. little. But then it's also getting old and beautiful and close together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving from country to country, and there's just so many more different cultures to experience. And it's exactly. Yeah. Well, I'd say that's another thing you guys have in common with No Means No. They've certainly always been very vocal about the fact that that's where, I mean, first of all, that's where their huge fan base yeah. is, is, is Europe. But they also just preferred touring over there. And it's no fucking wonder if they, if, they, if they were treated like that more than here, which also in the U.S., I'm sure you guys know this clearly, which is so vastly spread out. You got to cop in that van and drive right. hours to get to the next venue as opposed to like, no, oh, it's just, you know. Couple yep. hours away, and we're to the yeah. next place. No wonder, yep. no wonder it's better to tour in in Europe. Yeah, you're like, you drive like ten hours, and you load in your own gear, and then they're like, "Yo, yeah, the sound tech isn't here yet. He's probably showing up in a couple hours." Fuck. God uh, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit. I'm I'm so sorry. Ugh. Yeah, it's just like, fuck you very much when you come down here. Really, fend for yourself. You're thrown in the deep end. The yeah. uh, accessibility because of the internet. Um, I am more exposed to younger bands and I am encouraged that people are still doing this and still touring, but I'm able to actually re- reach out to them. There's this young uh, English band called Sorry that I really, really like. Mm. And I, I knew they were driving from the uh, four days in between, but it was like Minneapolis and next show was in Vancouver. Whoa. Oh, oh. so I got, contacted them and they said, Hey, um, you realize that's like really far, right? Oh no. Don't overtax yourself and don't don't leave any shit in your van when you're parked in town playing in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I've heard so many stories about bands from the UK or Europe that are just like, oh, let's go on tour in the states. It'll be great, and they just like burn out. They're like, oh no, we can't do this. Ugh. Like, no, they're used to driving an hour or two hours. Yeah. All over the UK, it's tiny island. Oh yeah. 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 With like culture all over the place and museums and fucking food. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, again, on the no means no front, that's why us U.S. fans were always kind of starved. I mean, I, I lived with Michelle for a while, not with her, but in New York, Excuse we were me? both in New York, <laughs> and they never fucking came out there. And I get it. It was a pain in the ass to get out there. That's, it was I, not easy. The first easy. time I saw him was in New York, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, West Coast, when I was out here, it was a little easier. They'd come down all yeah, the time, yeah. not all the time, but more often Petaluma mm-hmm. even. Um, but but. The East Coast is fucking it's a it's a nightmare, especially and it's expensive too. Especially during the George Bush era, during the the you know, post nine eleven when it was really difficult to get into the country. Forget it. Fucking forget yeah. it. What's the point of that? Why would you even buy the visa what is that visa bullshit still going on between Canada and the States? Do you still have that, Becky? Where I don't wasn't there some crazy shit with getting a visa if you were a band and they it's wanted not- to get tax tax bullshit? Yeah, still, yeah. 
Oh, like a bunch of Canadian bands stopped coming down here because it was just like too much hassle. You have to get a visa if you're just doing like one show. You have to get the visa. Like we we've always done it where we have to provide that we're playing a show every month. So it's like we put we put in we get a bunch of contracts and we're like that's to get the visa for the year. It's way better. Like, but it's still super expensive. And, yeah. yeah. Oh God, you gotta buy that to tour down. Oh man. Pay to play. All right. <laughs> it's more yeah. pay to play, but to the government. Yeah. Taxes and like give us more of the money. Like you want, you know, the little like crumbs of, of bands, you know, money that they make at the door. It's just that's crazy. Yeah, oh, you oh. are taking employment opportunities away from hard work. <laughs> <and back. laughs> yeah, oh, I, I want to find somebody that sings like her down here. I don't yeah, think no it's shit. possible. Maple Leaf scum you. No shit. <laughs> yeah. So this is I don't. This is you can toss this question aside but for you guys in terms of like where the the financial incentive is for you guys was touring really something that i mean you guys clearly toured a lot was that where more of the livelihood from the band came in than any sort of album sales or streaming or anything like that yes and that the worst part about that is that touring has gotten way more expensive yeah right so it's become less profitable. Uh, so I'm running, we run into this problem and luckily like still we're able to make okay money, but I've just heard so many stories about they're like, what's the point of touring? I got to hire a band. I got to hire, you know, after all this money that goes and then you got to pay for gas and everything's way more expensive. And then at the end of the day, you're like working your ass off. You're sacrificing your mental health and your physical health to like not really make a lot. And you can't really make a lot in record sales either. So it's, you know, merch sales on the road is usually pretty good. Um, yeah. It, but did any of the venues, like, take a percentage out of the merch? I've heard some venues fucking do that. They take a percentage out of the merch, which is bullshit. That is pretty bad. But that yeah. doesn't happen that often, but it does. Yeah, they take it. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I know that's, like, where the bread and butter comes from for a the, lot of touring bands. The bigger the venues these days, especially now, will just fuck artists royally about that. Like, they'll just take huge percentages of it. I'm not sure about the smaller clubs. Hopefully they're not I as, hope not. as no. venomous about it, but mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, sometimes when you get up to, like, 500 or 1,000 capacity venues, some of them will still take it, but a lot of them don't. They're like, yeah, or, they, or they'll just wave it like, oh, normally we do, but I don't know, it's sort of a gray area but i i i think that that's kind of scummy honestly yeah yeah bar sales the band isn't getting a percentage of the bar sales exactly exactly see the bands and drink there so it's sort of i don't know i don't i don't like it yeah yeah i mean it really seems like a lot of that has been i mean i this is completely an ignorant statement but i know it's gotten worse post pandemic and i'm wondering if some of these folks are just kind of starving and trying to grasp at any fucking puddle they can get but there does seem to be a pretty significant pushback, even against like on the, you know, you guys probably haven't had to deal with it so much, but against the, you know, sort of Ticketmaster live, live nation sort of monopoly of all this bullshit. Those are for the really big bands, but even the kind Not of moderate either. bands, it's, it's bullshit. And, and there seems to be a lot of pushback. So I'm hoping God. eventually there's some sort of renaissance of realizing, wait a minute, yeah. fucking artists need to Fuck you. need, need their share of the shit. The middleman, Anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's again, it's the era we live in. I, I don't know. The middleman is king in this in this era. It seems like the platforms sort of Everybody sort of rule shit. Nibble. Yeah, they got to take their nibble. The nibble's yeah, but dur- during the pandemic, the arts is where everybody gravitated to to get through it. 
Yeah, yeah but just like just, movies, just like with music. the just like with the essential workers, right? Everybody lionized them during that time and lionized checkout people. Everyone's fucking forgot that now. That's it's gone now. No one remembers that those are the people that kept us going. They mm. should be making more than minimum wage. Artists that we all were gravitating towards to keep us through it were what kept us going. We don't remember that now. Now we're just back on the hamster wheel, right? Like, how do we? I don't know. How do we bring I'm that back? Depressing. <laughs> Elon Musk of the world, so like oh, losing a billion dollars and not losing any sleep over it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Capitalism, but you know. Yeah, capitalism. Like you said, capitalism. Yay! Capitalism. <laughs> Fuck capitalism. God damn it. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> how, how we Matthew, the pandemic us. was starting a stupid podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, true. it's true. It kept us going for sure. It kept us. It kept us. It did. It was very. Yeah, it sure. was it just got you back to talking about what's important to you and 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 like just what just listening to music and listening to others here and other people's stories of of what bands mean to you. I mean that that's what the world's about. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking what of stories, Becky, do do you have any that's sort of us? Uh, uh, touring with No Means No or uh, that uh, oh, yeah, pop out yeah. of your mind? Oh, well, my favorite thing about touring with them was on off days, we would play Jeopardy. And oh, Tom, Tom Jeopardy? And made Tom Jeopardy. You know about the Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So that was great. Um, no one ever had a chance except, you know, it was just Rob. He was always winning. <laughs> no shit. But yeah, that that was that was great. Um, also, we played a game called the Name Game. That was that's been a, a staple now for like any game night. If I have one, it's like Name Game. You write down like characters or celebrities on pieces of paper, and then put it in a hat, and then you have to try and get your partner to guess it in a certain amount of time. And it's a very frantic, stupid game. But we played that with them, and yeah. So the game nights on off nights were pretty pretty oh, great. Man, that sounds fun as fuck, man. <laughs> Some bands go on tour and then they're like, we have a day off, let's go party. Like, we're like, yeah, we're just going to play a game and drink a couple of beers. And- Find a place to do laundry. <laughs> That's yes. my- yeah. yeah, so that, that was my favorite part. Oh, wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. it's definitely one of the reasons I figured there is definitely commonality with uh, not knowing the pack ADs because a bunch of, like, nerds. Yeah, I after we played a Tom Jeopardy, we're like, well, I'm gonna Packy D's gonna make a Jeopardy. So Maya and I made our own, you know, questions and answers and did a thing. We did it back to them, but apparently some so there were some in- inaccuracies, and we got a lot of flack for it. So. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! What? Uh, oh man! Oh, that's too funny. That uh, knowing, too funny. knowing Tom a little bit, I wish I could say I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, that's Tom's religion, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had people write in with stories about Tom Jeopardy. Actually, we because one of the things we asked for, you know, we were asking for listener submissions of stories they had of No Means No, and several of them wrote in referencing Tom Jeopardy. So this is not the first time oh we've, we've talked about that. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Tom Jeopardy. Yeah. Wicked. Awesome. Well, um, we don't want to keep you too too much longer, Becky. Thank you so so much. I'm I'm just wondering if there's anything that you would like to um plug or recommend or um is there anything you'd like to say to the people out there yeah <laughs> i'm just did you get my joke yeah. <laughs> did you 
It's an Ardwar, isn't it? Isn't that what he says? Seriously, what when he wraps up the interview? Oh, that Nardwar, right, that Nardwar interview of you guys is classic, by the way. I fucking love that. And I love the whole thing oh! about how the pack, how he really broke down why you guys had to add the AD onto the end of the pack. That was <laughs> Oh my god, I've never seen that. I that was watch Oh, it. you gotta watch it. The Nardwar pack AD interview is classic. I have to thank Nardwar for almost being the major aspect to kickstart our career because he was the one that discovered us and recommended us to Mint Records and then Mint Records signed us. That was our first record. Oh, yeah. That's all I got to say. I mean, Nardwar, he's he's still he's still awesome. Yeah. He's fucking, so fucking awesome. crazy. Still, I just watched his interview with oh. Off, which is really good. I get, I didn't know they did one with you, Becky. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go find. Oh, that. go find it. It's oh, either oh, fantastic, either crazy, or just extremely like, insane. What is he actually, like you know, is he? I'm like, right. like is that. He really is like <laughs> the guy. Like, yeah. Oh, what a what a hoot. That man's a national treasure. Talk man. about one of the oddest people who's one of the most influential in the underground scene. Man, that guy is like, is purely authentic weirdness. It's fucking great. And I just oh. love how he went and interspersed. You got to watch this, Michelle, because he interspersed. I got to do to, it. He talks to the other, the, the rapper who's the pack and like yeah. introduces him to all the other bands that are the pack and talks about like, here's the pack AD for Vancouver. What do you want to talk to them? It was just fucking. Oh so my good. God. What a brain. It's just like everything. Oh, yeah. I, I would play Jeopardy. If he wrote a Jeopardy, that would be pretty cool. Forget I'm it. Waiting. He'd, be, he'd kick Ken Jennings' ass like all over the place. <laughs> Forget it. Forget no it. Shit. Oh my God. How yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch that. At tonight. least in the yeah. entertainment section segment. Yeah. 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 Is there anything you'd like to say to the people out there? <laughs> no, I'm not going to steal his thunder. No, Ma Matthew, oh, you asked. He, he did a really great just... job of, uh, of, you know, the couple different bands called uh, The Pack, The Pack. Uh, like, I, I don't know, but if you ever heard of la meute, which is the French word for the pack. Oh God, no, no! It's, Did he do uh, that? No, 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 no! I, I just, I always because I'm bilingual. I, I always when I see yeah. it, I'm like, oh, that's the pack, and it sucks because it's like a far right Quebecois extremist oh, no. nationalist group. Oh, oh shit! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ADC ask your question again, Matthew. I, I, I ruined the. Becky oh, no, 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 just what if, gonna say? if Becky has anything that she'd like to plug or uh, anything like that. No, I mean, I'm working on releasing my album, but I have nothing to plug about it yet. So if I did, I would. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we're, we're looking forward to it whenever it arrives. Take yeah. your time. When but... you have it, let us know and we'll, uh, we'll do our best to plug it. Yeah. Cause yeah, clearly it's going to be fucking amazing. Little uh, reach that we have. Yeah. Although. Yeah. Although it's not, it's it's a lot bigger than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's certainly growing. Yep. But we're yep. really, yeah, we're really, really grateful that you came on to talk to us, our our dumb little podcast, and we're all big fans of the band, uh, and and whatever it is that this mutates into, both you and Maya are clearly enormous talents, and uh, it's going to be important for everyone who's listening to this to follow what you do and follow it directly right oh, to, man. to try to support it as directly as possible as we've talked about don't just don't just stream it if you like it go and find it somewhere and, and do something I to support should the artists. i will uh not offhand but uh, becky what is your band camp link or the best way to buy buy your shit oh well it's the, whatever Bandcamp backslash pack 80 i think yeah, we'll we'll link it. We'll link it in the I gotta notes. I got to get a too. shirt, man. I'm getting one of them shirts. Oh, yeah. they have awesome shirts. Ridiculous yeah, I know. Awesome shirts. My department is the is the shipping department of our band, so she's she she packages them. I do all the designs. It's, oh, know, nice. So ah, 
that's oh. a question I was going to ask you. Yeah, I, I, I love, um, I have several, <laughs> the octopus and pirate ship. Yeah, the oct- oh, octopus so good. is great. It's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matthew was just sharing with us today the video of the uh, the patch you guys were selling, which was which was great. Oh, I have a hole in my shirt. I need a patch. patch. <laughs> oh, I, got it. I need a patch. That was great. That was, patch that was great is going to be too. my Wordle starting word tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, oh, excellent. Right, excellent. <laughs> well, thank you, Maya. We really appreciate well, no, it. That's not Maya, but we're going to get Maya on. Damn it, we're going <laughs> to have the other one, Becky. It's yeah. Becky Black, which, by the way, is one of the most kick-ass punk-ass punk names I've ever fucking heard Hell in the world. Yeah. So, what a what a what a fortuitous name for having a, a kick-ass band. So, thank you for joining us, Becky. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for your voice and your talents. Holy shit, man! You, oh, woo. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got to sure. say about this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank All right, you. everyone. We'll uh, we'll catch you next time. I don't know when the next episode's going to be, but uh, we'll see. You'll find it at some point. We'll get season two in the can someday. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this interview. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs>